You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, your weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I'm Steph, and you are listening to the first episode of season four, which is 2023. Welcome. And before we get started into any sort of topic, there are a couple of housekeeping things, and that is mainly my voice. So I am getting over a cold sinus infection of some sort. I went over to my house and was doing some cleaning of like all of the construction dust and got myself super sick from that. And I am slowly recovering. So I sound terrible. And thus it is going to be a short episode, but I at least wanted to have an intro episode for the season. And as you probably heard, I did not then record a new intro. Usually at the start of a new season, I record a different introduction to the podcast, which is like the first 30 seconds or so. And I am just using what I had for season three. It's always the same song, but sometimes say things like a little bit differently. I had every intention of recording a new one for season four to sort of distinguish the episodes. But I decided that my voice sounding the way it is, is not what I want at the beginning of every episode for this entire year. So I will be recording those and then replacing it at some point. Um, But today is not that day. Thankfully, there is a lot coming that was pre-recorded because I was able to record some episodes with people um, that was before I got sick. So I will sound normal in them. So next week we are having all about the menstrual cycle and blood magic with Leslie Draffin. Um, from the Light Within podcast. The week after that, we're going over all kinds of updates with Asada de la Cruz, who was here last year, and she's going to talk uh, more about diving into her practice as a Black Indigenous woman and how that has changed for her in the last year and really finding uh, a sense of herself and community and her ancestors. And then after that episode, I'm going to have either in bulk. I don't know that I'm going to do Sabbath episodes this year. I'm going to see what your feedback is. Let me know if you want Sabbath episodes this year. I feel like I've covered a lot of stuff. So if I don't have enough information for an in bulk episode, I am just going to skip it. In which case you will be hearing from Fauna over at Cat's Tea and Witchcraft. And we are talking about the idea of advanced witchcraft and what that means. And of course, if I do an episode in bulk, her episode will be the first one in February. So Lots of fun stuff that those three were pre-recorded. Thank you to those to those three witches. I really appreciate that, that, that was, we were able to do that in December. So that will be ready to go and my voice will sound normal. And hopefully in a couple of days, I will feel better and be able to do videos and have everything up over on Patreon and YouTube in normal order and sounding order. But speaking of letting me know about in bulk, I do want to remind you that the survey is still open. So I did put up a survey for both Patreon and for the podcast of what you want to hear about in 2023 and who you would like to hear from as far as other witches to interview. So that survey is still up and I am also still compiling the answers. So feel free to keep submitting. And if I haven't responded to you yet, you put in a request that you want to be a guest and I have not sent you an email yet for booking that, just know that I'm still working on compiling those answers and that will be coming soon. So for the rest of this episode, I feel like this is going to be a short topic, but it is something that came up on the survey and that was to 
have a place of sort of combining beginner information and compiling all those things together and generally having refreshers on that because it has been many years of content and things are constantly changing and we're learning new things, forgetting the old stuff. So that is something that I wanted to go over today and that is building a spell because we have gone over lots of different correspondences and ways to practice, but going over like how to build a spell from beginning to end is something that I think is a good reminder of. And I am going to talk about a few spells for beginners that I think you can dive in right away with. So first of all, back to the beginning. A spell is manifesting an intent, bringing about something through the use of energy. And spells are completely unique to the witch casting them. So whatever I say, just know that you should follow your own intuition as far as what you need and what you should be using and everything that I'm going to say is just a general guideline. The first step to beginning a spell is absolutely your intention. Everything else comes from your intention. Ask yourself, what do you want and why? And ideally you want to get as detailed with that answer as possible. So if you have to keep digging down and asking yourself why, 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 maybe five or 10 times until you get to the root, that is actually ideal, even if it takes some time. You really want to know what it is that you are trying to get out of this and why you want it. And you also want to, at that time, figure out exactly what kind of magic that is, because there are a lot of different options where that could sort of fall under. So is it prosperity? Is it love? Is it health? Health is a big one at the beginning of a new year. And figuring out your intention will help you figure out what kind of magic it is. After you set your intention, I want to remind you that you really don't need anything. All you need is yourself and your energy, and that is absolutely enough. So everything else that I'm about to mention right now is completely optional. But the next step is to figure out what kind of spell you want to perform and what is the timeline of that. So there are a lot of different spell styles. We've gone over this on the podcast many, many times, and I have shown specific examples over on Patreon and YouTube. But you can use candles, you can use jars, you can make charm bags, so many different types of spell styles. Some are suited to particular types. So for example, a jar spell that is going to contain that energy and keep it there. So you don't want to do something negative and then hold onto that jar sitting in your bedroom because you're holding onto that energy in that jar in your room and it's, it's you know, something negative. So lots of different options and witches are going to be drawn to different ones for different workings and just based on what they enjoy. Some people really enjoy using candle magic for absolutely everything. And I love a good candle spell. So I understand that. And you can, if you want to just focus on candle magic for every spell, that is an option as well. There are different elements associated with different intentions. So that is another way to sort of decide which way you're going to go and what sort of style that you want to pick. Fire is usually associated with motivation Force, passion, vitality. Air is all about intellect and creativity, so any sort of mental activity. Water is emotions, of course, love, also fertility and change. And earth is for strength, fortitude, endurance. So th those are just a few of the most basic elemental correspondences. There are a lot of, you know, other 
ways that you can incorporate the elements and have different associations with them, but those are the most common. But that is often a very good place to start when you're planning out your spell and figuring out what you want to use and what sort of spell style you're going to focus on is think about which one of those elements would fit with what you are trying to do. This is also when you would want to consider your own path and traditions because there are various witchcraft traditions and covens that will do certain spells in a certain way and use certain ingredients, do them at certain times of year, and that is all dependent on that tradition. And it is also a good time to consider your own personal path. So even if you are not in a specific tradition or religion, what has your own personal path up until this point dictated that seems to work for you in the same situation? So if you are running a prosperity spell and you traditionally have had great success in prosperity spells like money bowls, then you might want to focus on making another bowl. If you've had more success with candles and fire in that regard, then you might want to focus on a candle spell. At this point is where you add in your tools and correspondences. Tons of information on correspondences in season one. There's basically an episode dedicated to each different type of correspondence. But the important thing is working with what you have. You do not need to go out and buy new things for every little spell. You can use substitutions. You can decide not to use them at all, but really focus on what you have in your collection that you can associate with the intention of this spell. So herbs are an option. I love using herbs in my own practice. Crystals, of course. I have talked about my love of crystals pretty much every episode. You could use sigils, colors. You could even use tarot cards or oracle cards. Those are all considered different correspondences that you can incorporate into your spell work. Just think about what is calling to you and then look up why that might be. So you might not be familiar with every crystal or every herb, but if you feel something in particular calling to you when you're setting up your spell and thinking about what you might want to use, that's a sign that your intuition is at work and asking you to look more into, let's say, peppermint. If you are feeling called to use peppermint, get a guidebook or, you know, search on Google and figure out what peppermint is associated with and why your intuition is calling you to use that in that particular spell. Next is the timing of the spell. Not always necessary because sometimes we just want to do that right then and there. And I understand that completely. Other witches really like to focus on the timing and find it more effective if they do so. Different timing that you could pick would be days of the week, the moon phase, the particular time of day, or a specific zodiac sign, whether the sun is in that zodiac sign, which it is over like the course of about a month, or whether the moon is in that zodiac sign, which it is about the course of every two and a half days. I personally like days of the week. I find days of the week have different associations for me. So I usually am able to wait until the particular day comes up that I need. But there have been times where I just want to do the spell and I feel the need to do it that day. So even if the correspondences of that day don't line up exactly, I will just sort of ignore that portion of it and focus on the other elements that I have going with my spell and just not worry about the day of the week. It really is just an added layer and not a necessity. Next, consider whether you want or need assistance. So this is usually deities or ancestors. And that depends who you have a working relationship with. If you would like to start one, 
it is a good idea to start that before you call on them to help you with the spell because it's, you know, like establishing a friendship. You don't just outwardly ask a stranger for a favor. They're unlikely to do it. So deities and ancestors want your respect and your companionship, relationship. So if you have those sort of relationships in place, then consider whether there is a good deity or ancestor that you work with that might be helpful in this particular spell. And if there is, this would also be a good time to think about what you're going to offer them in return for that help. And the last step in the planning sort of pre-process is to plan your time and space. It is ideal, at least I find, to avoid interruptions if possible. That is not possible for a lot of people, but I find it helpful if there are specific times of day where you know the house is going to be a little quieter, uh, if it's possible to turn off notifications on your phone or leave the phone outside of the room that you're in. There are plenty of things that you can do that don't require, you know, full focus and would be okay with like a little interruption. But I personally find that my spells manifest better if I am able to focus. And like I have mentioned, there is a huge range of spell work from very simple 30 second spells all the way up to a couple of hours a day spent on ritual and you can fall anywhere on that spectrum. So it doesn't have to be a two hour time chunk where you're going to have no interruptions. I'm talking maybe three minutes. And if you can find that uninterrupted time, you are going to want to gather your supplies, make sure you clean the space. You don't want any of the you know clutter either visually um, you don't want any dirt and you don't want any off-putting energies in that space. So you want to make sure you physically clean it and energetically clean it. And of course, if it calls to you casting a circle, that was one of the very first episodes as well. Some traditions call for casting a circle anytime that you do any kind of spell. Some witches prefer to do it every time. Some never cast a circle. I almost never cast a circle. It is considered you know, for protection, but also a great way to sort of contain your energy. If you are not quite used to energy manipulation, it will contain your energy within that circle until you are ready to release it out into the world. So it is a great tool for beginners as well. And before you start any spell work, you always want to center and ground. So that is coming to a place where you can visualize your own energy flowing throughout your body and to center that within your body in some way so it is ready to be manipulated into the spell work. And grounding, I always recommend. For me, I use earth energy. But like I've mentioned before, you can get energy from a lot of different sources. But your own energy is a finite resource and can very, very easily get tapped out. So if you ever feel very lethargic after doing spell work and just really run down, that is a sign that you are using way too much of your own energy and you don't know how to replace it. So you really want to master grounding. For me, that is pulling earth energy up from the ground, using that in my spell work to mix with my own energy. And then if I have too much at the end, pushing it back down into the ground so I am at a like balanced neutral level. I think that is an essential skill. And while I am doing all of that centering, grounding, cleaning, casting a circle if I need to, I am setting that intention every step of the way. So I don't wait until, you know, I am lighting the candle or like the very moment where I'm going to release the energy. I am keeping that intention at the forefront of my mind every step of the way because I feel like that just makes it more powerful and makes the universe more secure in knowing exactly what it is that I am asking. 
People set their intentions and keep them at the forefront of their mind in very different ways. Some people are very visual, where they can visualize the exact outcome in their mind and they don't need anything else. And some people are not that great at that. So verbal is a great way to do it. You just speak the words out loud. They don't have to rhyme. You are just speaking out the intention and what you are trying to achieve. Some people would rather write that down. Some people would rather draw pictures of what it is. There's no right or wrong way to do that. It's just whatever makes it easier for you. From there, it is all about raising that energy and then directing it into the spell. So for example, for a candle spell, you are centering, grounding, visualizing that exact outcome of the intention that you want, and then directing the energy that is in your body that you are raising it and can be raised in different ways. Again, some people just visualize, but some people find their energy raised by music, by drumming, by chanting, by movement, lots of different ways to raise energy. And then you want to direct it into your spell. So for me, that is physically leaving my hands and going into that candle. And I visualize that going into that candle flame as it's burning down. We want to spend some time with it. And that is how much time that you have. Every spell is going to be different. You will feel called to spend different amounts of time with different types of spells. That is perfectly fine. But spend at least enough time that you are clear on your intention and you feel that you have clearly communicated that to the universe. And then you are going to want to close the spell in some way. For Wiccans, you're probably familiar with the phrase, so mode it be. That's a very popular way to close the spell, but you can just as easily say, the spell is complete. I send this now to out to the universe. It does not have to be anything specific. It could be snubbing out the candle. That is your way of closing the spell. Just letting it know that it's not, you know, sort of lingering in the room that you are ready instead to send that out into the universe. So you are able to release that energy and let it go to work. And then, like I said, grounding, again, that is something that I do at the end of every spell, just so I remain balanced and don't have like an excess of energy running wild. I know it's popular to think that that might be the end there, but it is, of course, not. After you complete the spell, I always recommend writing things down. I will write things down along the way so I don't forget. But at the end, especially, it's important to write down the things like the correspondences that you used, any wording that you used, the time of day, all of those things, because it's so much easier to go back and figure out what went right or what went wrong if you have it all written down someplace. So if it finally does manifest, you are able to go back and see this is everything that worked. And if it wasn't, you know, didn't manifest quick enough, you can see what you would need to change maybe in the future to make it manifest on the right timeline. And also if it went completely wrong and you need to undo it, you can then go back and do exactly opposite of what you did in order to undo that spell. So I find it really important to write everything down. The only time I don't write it down is if it's a spell that I have done numerous times and I have sort of perfected it and do it the same way every time. I don't feel the need to write that down. I just write a note in my planner what day that I did it. And in my head, I know that I used the same crystals and herbs and candles that I always do. And of course, then it is time to take the mundane steps, which is probably the least fun part of spell work. But for example, if you are doing a spell it, this time in January to get healthy, to help yourself eat healthier or develop more healthy 
habits, exercise more. You have to go out and do the mundane work. You have to buy the salad and the fruit and you have to go for the walk. You can't just expect the spell to do all of the work for you. You have to make some of that mundane effort. Now then, some spells for beginners. And of course, I want to address why I would consider these spells for beginners. And the main reason is that I think you can do everything that I am about to list with some very basic skills. As long as you have that energy manipulation down, I think you would be ready to jump into these things that I am about to say. And there will be a um, episode upcoming, like I mentioned, on you know what does advanced witchcraft mean that I am doing with Fauna, and we go over some of these things where you know advanced and beginner mean different things for different people. But there are some spells that I would consider more advanced just because you have to know more background information. You have to do more basic work and acquire more skills. Whereas these, I would think like if you are itching to get started and you have just, you know, got the energy manipulation thing down, then you're ready to jump into these. And for any of these, if they don't work, there's really no backfiring or anything, you know, negative that could happen. They simply just won't work. So that is absolutely not the end of the world where there are some spells that there could be something negative. There could be something that backfires and you would have to know how to sort of undo that. But for these, if they don't work, they don't work. Then you just try something else the next time, but there's not really anything bad that's going to happen. So with that said, the first one that I think is a good spell for beginners is knowing how to cleanse yourself and your energy. And the way that I do that is in a shower. A lot of people like to take energy cleansing baths, but I am not a bath person. I can see how that would be way more of a ritual and you can set up uh, a lot of fun things in the bathroom to make it a ritual space. But for me, I much prefer showers and I like the idea of that water sort of flowing down and washing everything away. So when I would do a cleansing spell, I'm combining the mundane and the magical because a shower is obviously actually physically cleansing myself. So I am, you know, planning that mundane steps, but it is also cleansing my energy. And the only way that I I have to do anything is to just visualize that water cleansing my energy. I visualize that water coming down and it has its own energy, its own sort of clear, neutral energy that starts at the top of my head. And I visualize that cleansing my own energy all the way down to my feet and then washing away down the drain. So as that that's my intention. I just think of my intention all the way through. And as far as what to add from there, I don't really need to do anything. It is just a visualization exercise. I can, if I want to, set up some candles that would be relaxing, whether that is in color or scent I, or cleansing. I could do some herbs in there, a lot of people will tie herbs in a little bag to the shower head so they don't, you know, make a mess everywhere. People do that in baths as well. I could set up some crystals around the bath bathroom in general, but also around the bathtub ledge. And if I wanted to, I could schedule that spell for a weekday that I consider particularly cleansing, a moon phase, you know, maybe that is a new moon that is, you know, starting fresh or a time of day that I associate with cleansing. There are a lot of different ways that I could do that, but all of those things are just extra. But I think that's a very good spell to start with because we all sort of collect negative energy from around the world and just being able to cleanse that off of ourselves is a really 
key skill to have. And speaking of moon phases, the next spell that I would offer up to beginners is new moon manifesting and full moon gratitude practices. So new moons are, of course, associated with fresh energy. So that is the time that a lot of people want to set new intentions and begin new projects. So I like to do crystals, of course, uh, for my manifesting. And this is especially great at the new moon time. And that is when I will write down my list of any goals that I want to manifest within, you know, that next moon cycle. So in the next, you know, 28 days, what am I looking to get done? And I will physically write that onto a list. And that is me putting my intent down on a piece of paper and being very, you know, specific about that. And then I will use crystals. So just any sort of crystals that call to you as far as fresh energy, maybe it is related specifically to the intention. Citrine is very popular for me. Um, tangerine quartz is another option that is similar to citrine because real citrine is can be expensive. Clear quartz is always a fantastic option, as well as garnet and moonstone. So you could use any one of those, any combination of those, or any crystal that is associated with your specific intention of what goal you want to accomplish in the next moon cycle. From there, I take that piece of paper with the crystals on top and set it in moonlight. I just put this on a window ledge under the light of a new moon, which as you know, a new moon is, is dark. <laughs> There's not a, you know, a lot of light coming from that, but you know what I mean. And then I collect it the next morning and I stick that piece of paper up on uh, either my bulletin board that I have or within my planner. So I am constantly looking at it and then figuring out what steps I need to take next in the mundane world to accomplish that goal. So that is just adding some lunar energy and new moon magic into my spell. Super simple. And I find it to be very effective. Full moons, on the other hand, are better, in my opinion, for a gratitude practice rather than setting new intentions because full moons are great for protection, grounding. It is a time of expanding, but also a time of heightened emotions. So I just associate all of that with gratitude. And it's something that I don't want to forget to do. So the full moon is a good reminder of that. So similarly, I will just write a list of all of the things that I am grateful for specifically that happened over the course of the last month. And then I will place an associating crystal on top of that list. So lot of options you could go with this, but I often use selenite, which is just associated with the moon in general. Smoky quartz, pyrite, amethyst, labradorite, those are all popular options. And again, I will leave that on the windowsill overnight in the light of the full moon and then collect that the next morning. So that is just me putting out my gratitude into the universe, which I think overall just makes me a better person. <laughs> Next is home protection, which I think is another thing that is important and a great skill to learn and great for beginners. And home, when I say home protection, it really can be any space. So it doesn't need to be an entire, you know, freestanding home. It can be just your small room, just a desk area, your apartment. It doesn't really matter what the dwelling actually is. You're just protecting your space. The two ways that I love to do that are Stovetop potpourri and candles. So I think everybody is familiar with the idea of stovetop potpourri, but that is where you have a bunch of 
herbs and spices, different fruits and things in a pot on your stove. You add water and you let that gently simmer for hours and it diffuses your whole space with a great scent, but also with the magical energies of anything that you have included in that pot. They are very popular at pretty much the entire month of December because popular ingredients are oranges, cinnamon sticks, apples, cloves, which are all associated with the holiday season. But you absolutely can use them year round and you can switch out the ingredients to match your specific intentions. And there are a lot of ingredients that are associated with home protection. And I simply change them out based on the season. So in the winter months, I might use more oranges, whereas in the summer months, I might use more lemons because those two scents to me, even though they are both citrus, they are associated with different protection at different times of year. But in that case, all you would do is hold on to each ingredient before you add it to the pot and focus your energy into that ingredient and let it know why you are using it and what your intention is. So instead of just throwing everything in, you are spending time with each one individually and picking out its specific properties, letting it know what you would like it to do. And then add those into the pot, add the water in. And it's great because you really are using all of the elements in the spell. You're using the water, you're using the earth energy of your ingredients. You are using the fire energy of the stove and you are using the air energy of once that steam is moving throughout your house and making it smell that is associated with the air element. And since it really is reaching all of the corners of your space, that is a great way to ensure that that home protection is sort of reaching everywhere. And this is something that you can do regularly. I also like candle spells for protection and candle spells can be used to protect a wide variety of items, persons, but also your home. So for this, you just need a candle in the color that you associate with protection. A lot of people like white or black. Both are associated with protection in different ways. But if there is a specific color that calls to you that you feel is very protective energy, you can use that as well. And you will need a tool to carve into the candle, plus a candle holder and something to light the candle with. To do this spell, you just need to, of course, center, ground, be ready to manipulate that energy, and then start at the bottom of the candle and spiraling all the way around to the top, you write out, this house is protected, or this room is protected, this apartment is protected, whatever space it is that you are talking about. Then you set the candle into the candle holder, light the candle, and say, as this candle burns down, the shield rises. This room is protected. And then allow the candle to burn down completely. And you, you're, that would be signaling the end of the spell once that candle burns out. That is a very common candle spell. I have seen that all over the place, but it for a reason, because it works. It is easy to adapt because you can write whatever it is that you want to protect onto the candle. And note that it doesn't have to be a particular size. So if you are able to, you know, write small, then you can use a smaller candle and it will burn out quicker. So that's less time that you have to sit there with that candle. So if you don't have a lot of time, you can make sure to use something smaller. So it fits within your ritual time. And the last spell for beginners that I think might be helpful is to create a sleep aid charm bag because these are also very simple to construct and can be very useful because I know a lot of us have issues with 
falling asleep, staying asleep, having strange dreams. So having a turn bag under your pillow can be really helpful for that. All you need is some sort of small bag that you, in a color that you associate with restfulness and relaxation and dreaming. Purple is very popular for this, but it does not have to be. And then you choose your ingredients to, again, match your intention. So if you are going for a restful sleep aid, that would be lavender. A lot of people associate lavender with restfulness and sleep. If you're going more towards lucid dreaming and being able to control your dreams, mugwort might be a good option in there. You can also use crystals. Amethyst is associated with restful sleep. And you might also want to include some sort of sigil in there that you associate with sleep. For myself, I will use an herb blend. It usually does include lavender uh, that I associate with sleep. I will add in the amethyst crystal and I will take a slip of paper and write down in present tense what I want. And that is usually I fall asleep quickly. I stay asleep for seven hours. I wake feeling rested. And then I add that piece of paper into my sleep aid bag. So all along the way, I am infusing my energy and my intention into each object before I place it into the bag, being really sure to focus on the intention and sealing that energy in there. And once I seal the bag, I will place that underneath my pillow or right next to my side of the bed. And it just hangs out there as long as I feel like it is working. And if it suddenly I am not sleeping great, I feel like it's not working anymore. All I need to do is just refresh that bag and I can sort of cleanse all of those ingredients and use them all over again to re sort of put my energy into that bag. So those are the four that I would think are really great for beginners, but I'm going to be over on the discord server today. So if you have not joined, that is free. Come join the conversation and we can chat about what other spells you would think are ideal for beginners. And then if you have any questions about these four, do let me know over there and I will be in there answering those. But that is everything that I have for this episode. Thanks for dealing with my voice, which is very much going out now. Um, and like I said, the next couple of episodes will be back to normal. They just aren't going to have the new intro on them yet until I am ready to record that, but hopefully soon. That's everything for this week. I will see you in the next one. Need even more? Subscribe to Patreon and YouTube for exclusive bonus content. Order a themed witchcraft box every month through Witch Wednesdays on Etsy. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. Find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com.